Well, good morning. Good to see you guys this morning. Uh, we are in Malachi chapter 3 today. Malachi chapter 3. It is the last book of the Old Testament, in case you're wondering. So if you know where Matthew is at, the first book of the New Testament, just go back one page and you'll be in Malachi. Malachi chapter 3 is where we're going to be at this morning. We're still continuing our series on mission. And so we're looking at what does it look like for us as a church to be on mission? Um, As Joe prayed this morning, he prayed that we might be outside of the walls of this church. And that's exactly what we need to be. If we're going to be on mission, we need to be on God's mission. We need to be outside of the church making disciples. Um, We also need to be inside the church making disciples as well. But it's important for us oftentimes to go out, to, to get out there, to be on mission, wherever it is, to see ourselves as missionaries right here in this community. You don't have to go overseas to be a missionary. You can be a missionary right here, and that's exactly what God calls us to. And so we've been working through this series on mission to see, you know, what does it look like? How can we do that? And today, we've come to the topic of giving. And I've entitled this message, Are You Robbing the Mission of God? Are You Robbing the Mission of God? And you'll see why I've entitled it that as we read through Malachi chapter 3. Beginning in verse 6, he says this, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you, how, how, but you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with the curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for this day, for this opportunity to gather together as the church. To open your word, to be able to do that freely, to learn from it, God. Lord, as we do this morning, as we focus on giving, Help us to be a generous people, a people who give regularly and consistently and sacrificially, Lord, and cheerfully. Help us to be that today, Lord, as we work through this text. And as we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we're going to talk about a a controversial subject, uh, at least among some church members, right? Today we're talking about money, we're talking about giving. And I say controversial because over the years, if I talk to a number of different people, uh, they will will complain to me and they'll say, you know, my pastor, he he just preaches about money. Or or our church, all they're doing is is asking me for money. And and I'm not saying that, that there aren't just some pastors who just preach about money every single week. That there aren't some churches who just want you to come so that they can have your money. And they're not just always asking you for money. I'm sure that there are some churches that just want that. But we shouldn't allow a few churches, 
We shouldn't allow a particular movement, such as the prosperity gospel, to dictate our preaching calendar. I mean, if we're preaching through the Bible, we are going to encounter passages on money and wealth and, and giving and possessions. Uh, if you come to a church where you, your, your pastor preaches through the Bible, like here, you're going to hear sermons on that from time to time. And that's because the Bible is saturated with the subject. There are over 2,300 verses on the subject of money and wealth and possessions. Unless you just think that it is an Old Testament thing, consider Jesus' ministry. 15% of the time, Jesus spoke on the topic in, one, in some form, fashion, or another. 11 out of 39 of Jesus' parables dealt with money in one way or another. And so th- this should not be a controversial subject. This should not be one that, that is not preached on often because the Bible speaks about money and wealth and possessions often. And while the Bible speaks about money and wealth and possessions often, the church is not great at giving. You know, consider these statistics. Tithers, these are people who give at least 10% of their income, only make up 10 to 25% of a congregation. 10 to 25% of a congregation are giving 10% of their income. 5% of the U.S. as a whole tithe. So this is just people giving to charities. Not, not necessarily the church, just people giving to charities. 5% of the U.S. gives 10% of their money. 80% of Americans give 2%. Now Christians, they don't fare much better when it comes to giving to the church 2.5% per capita, per person. That's, that's on average what people give, 2.5%. And that's compared to Christians in the Great Depression who were giving 3.3% per capita. And unless you think this is only for those who have money, right? They're, they're the only people who give, the people who have money. I found some other statistics that said that those who actually have more money give less than those who have less money. And so it's not just... It's not just how much people are bringing in thing. These numbers are a reality despite the Bible talking about money often, despite Jesus talking about money often. And with numbers like these, it's not a surprise that people complain when their pastor talks about money and giving because this is not just a topic that, that hits a few people. It hits all of us. I mean, there, there are some people who you know, might be convicted if, if pastor preaches on adultery or gossip or slander or murder or, you know, stealing, something like that. I mean, there, there are a few people who might be convicted when they hear a sermon about that, but money affects all of us. We use money every single day. Everybody goes to work. Everybody makes money. Everybody spends money. This is how our society functions. And so, just with, the, with, the grant, with, with how many people there are that actually use money, a sermon on this is not a surprise statistically that, that more people might get upset, more people might be convicted when they hear a message on this. And sermons on money, let me just say, are not just about the dollars in your pocket or the amount of money that you have in your banking account. Money is really about our heart, and that is what Malachi is dealing with in today's text. He is dealing with our heart as it relates to the mission of God. God is speaking to the Israelites through Malachi because they have strayed from him. Now you think about it, these are the people who have been taken off in exile because they were unfaithful to God. Seventy years later, they've come back from Babylon, and by this time, when Malachi is coming to address them, they have rebuilt. 
They, they've rebuilt their city. They've rebuilt their homes. They've rebuilt their businesses. They've rebuilt the temple. They're functioning in society. But now they're being unfaithful to the Lord. They have forgotten why they were being exiled in the first place. And now they're facing God's judgment once again. You see, these people, as you read through the book of Malachi, you see that, that they are not bringing proper sacrifices to the temple. Um, they are divorcing their wives and they're taking pagan wives and then they are committing idolatry by worshiping their pagan wives' gods. And they're also complaining that God is not doing anything about injustice. And then when you get over here to Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 6, you see that, that they are actually robbing God. And so let's look at the text again in verse 6. We'll read down to verse 9. For I, the Lord, do not change. That's a great promise right there. It says, therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with the curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. You see, Malachi is talking to them, and God is speaking through Malachi to them because they have given their heart to something else. And because they have given their heart to something else, they are not obeying God. And at the core, uh, the root of our disobedience, really, that, that is what's going on. We have given our heart to something else. Our desires, our will, our affections has been given to something else. And so it's not good enough for me just to say, you know, you need to do this or you need to do that. You need to begin tithing. You need to give this much money to the church. It's not good enough for me just to tell you to do that. Malachi, it's not good enough for him just to say, we need to start bringing this in. No, he needs to address the heart because it's at the heart level is where disobedience occurs. And so we're not going to be a people who just say, do this and do that. We're going to go below the surface and we're going to look at the heart. We're going to say, what are your desires? What are your affections? What are they drawn to? You see, God does not just want external obedience. God wants our heart. God wants our desires. He wants them to align with his. He wants our will. He wants our affections to align with him. He wants us to want him more than anything else in this entire world. And he wants us to be obedient because of that. He wants there to be an alignment there. And that's not taking place with the Israelites here. He looks at the Israelites and says, you're not tithing. You're not, you're not giving. And the reason you're not giving is because your heart is giving to something else. Your heart is not given to me. This is why God says in verse 7, I mean in verse, yeah, the, the, the end of verse 7, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Return to me. And I will return to you. God says that they need to return to him. That they need to value their relationship. That they need to give, give them their heart. That they need to give him their desires again. That they need to return to him. And God says, I will return to you. And so how, how are they supposed to return to God? Well, look at the text beginning in verse 10 again. The very, the very beginning. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And God says, you can return to me by bringing the tithe into the storehouse, into the temple. 
And one of the reasons that they were to bring the tithe into the storehouse, and one of the reasons that they were to bring the tithe into the temple was so that there might be food in God's house. And we think about that and we say, well, why, why wouldn't they just bring some money? Well, they didn't live in the same type of society in which we lived in, right? They lived in an agrarian society or crops and cattle and things like that. And, and so they, they operated differently. Plus the Levitical priests, they, they would gain their provision as people would, would bring this, these offerings to the temple for a sacrifice. And so they were supposed to bring these things. And they weren't doing it. And this begins to clue us into the idea that their tithe, their giving, is connected to the mission of God. You know, Israel was a come-and-see nation. And so as they lived obedient lives, the, God would bless them. And, and this blessing, the nations would see that. And they would say, wow, I mean, look, look at their God. Their God is a God who is blessing them. Look at these people. Like, they really care about their God. They are living obedient lives towards their God. That They are obeying everything that he has them to say. And they would be attracted to the nation of Israel. And they would, they would begin to come into the nation of Israel. See, na- the Israel was a come and see nation. But, but the problem is, is that the nations are not really seeing much. The nations look at Israel, they see a people who are disobedient. They see a people who don't care about the sacrifices. They're bringing these lame animals. They're not bringing, you know, animals that are spotless and, and, and without blemish. They're, they're seeing their, their priests not being provided for. There's no food in the storehouse. There's no leftovers there. And, and they're saying, who are these people? They must not care too much about their God. Let's not care too much about their priests. Why would I want to be a part of these people? And so their lack of giving is hindering their mission. Likewise, our lack of giving is a hindrance to our mission. Now, we don't have a temple anymore. We are the temple. We don't have a sacrificial system anymore. Jesus abolished that when he came and gave a once and for all sacrifice. We don't have priests who serve at the temple in the same way that they did. We are not a come and see people. <clears throat> Oftentimes, I think this is where churches get, in, get, get kind of into trouble. They say, we're a come and see church. We're going to build it and they're going to come. Well, Jesus doesn't want us to be a come and see people anymore. He wants us to be a go and tell people. And that's exactly what we are supposed to be. And that's exactly what we are. We are supposed to be a people who is on mission. But here's the thing. It is hard for us to be a church that is on mission if we don't have money in order to be a church that is on mission. If we can't have, we, 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 ministry takes money. Now, I know that that probably sounds, you know, unspiritual at times, right? I mean, God can certainly do whatever he wants to do. He he can use whatever he wants to use. But God has primarily chosen to work through his people and to work through money that his people gives in order to do ministry, right? You think about, we, we have this nice building. It's a tool for us to do ministry, but it costs money. It costs money to heat and cool this building. We have a mortgage that we have to pay for. Um, the materials that we use in order to build disciples within the church takes money. If we're going we're gonna to bless people in the community, we're going to do outreach, we're going to take care of the poor, orphans and widows, that, that takes money. We're going to hire ministry staff, that takes money. People ha- have, to, have to have a job in, in order to, to provide for their family. Ministry takes money. And it might not sound spiritual, but that's primarily how God has determined to do ministry these days. And when we don't give, what we're actually doing is we are hindering God's mission. When we don't give, we rob the mission of God. 
And God says in verses 10 through 12, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. You see what God is saying here. He's saying, if you will be obedient to me, if you will begin to give again, I will bless you. The nations around you, that they will see that you are a blessed nation. They will see that you are prospering and they will once again be attracted to you. You will be a land of delight, he says there at the end of verse 12. People will want to come into this land. People will want to join the nation of Israel. You see, the success of their mission is tied to their obedience and giving. By not giving, they're robbing the mission of God. If they do give, they're going to end up accomplishing the mission of God. God is going to return to them as they return to him. God is going to bless them once again. Now, there's a lot of discussion around this particular verse here where it talks about putting God to the test. You know, thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you, and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. A lot of prosperity preachers will, will latch onto this verse and they'll say, look, if you will just give, if you will just sow a seed, if you will just give your 10%, you will reap so much more. Give to the church, give to me. I need to go out and buy a new airplane. I need a new Cadillac. I need all these different things, right? Sow a seed and get something from it. That's not what Malachi is doing, right? Malachi is not the first prosperity preacher. Giving to get is idolatry. Giving to get is just selfishness. Those who give to get are doing nothing but worshiping materialism. They're worshiping another God. And God tells us in the Ten Commandments that you shouldn't put any other gods before me. And so if you are giving to get, all you're doing is putting another God before God. All you're doing is saying, God, you are my genie in the sky. I am just going to give to you. You're going to give me what I really want. It's not you. What I really want is some more money in my banking account so I can go out and buy something. Because that's really what is satisfying me. You see why Malachi is dealing with the heart. It's not just give. It's what is your heart saying? Where are you at? And so we don't give to get. Malachi is not the first prosperity preacher. He's not setting up the perfect proof text for a prosperity gospel. Instead, Malachi is tying our giving to our mission. He's saying, look, you can give without fear of provision here because those who give in obedience to God for his mission can trust that God will care for them. He says in 10b again, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. And so this is far from a, from a prosperity gospel proof text here. Instead, it's a promise that God will accomplish his mission through our giving and he will simultaneously take care of us so that we might con- be continually a part of his mission. That means that we can give without fear of provision. That doesn't mean we're gonna get rich. It just means that we can give without fear of provision as we are participating in God's mission. 
God wants to accomplish his mission. God wants his name to be made famous. God wants his name to be go, go out to the ends of the earth. God also wants his people to give to support that. And he says, I want this. You need to do this. I'm going to provide for you so that you can do that, so that you can give, so that my gospel can go out to the ends of the earth. You can give without fear of provision. I was reading a sermon just this last week of a pastor who preached on this same topic, and, and he had just gotten married, and, and he and his wife sat down to have, you know, that, that kind of budget conversation right when you get married, or maybe you do this once a year or whatnot. And, and his wife, he says, you know, my wife was more faithful than I. He says, his wife says, look, when she got married, uh, we need to begin tithing. And he's like, well, how much do you want to give? And she says, well, when you look in the Bible, a tithe says 10%. So I believe that we need to begin giving 10% of our income. And he says, well, babe, uh, you know, we just got married. Um, we're living in a basement apartment. It's one bedroom. There's nothing fancy. When we go on a date, we're going like a $1.25 movie. This was kind of back in the day a bit, so movies have gone up a bit in price. But, you know, they're going to the cheapest movie possible, like the matinee. And he's like, I mean, you're in school. I'm in school. We've got school loans. We've got all this stuff. Like, I only make $1,000 a month. And you want to give 10%, like, that's $100. And he's doing the math, great. $100 we've got to give. And she goes, I know. We just need to trust God. We're going to do this. This is what I believe God is calling us to do. We're going to do it. And so reluctantly he says, I'm, okay, let's do it. We'll, we'll begin giving next week. And that week, before the Sunday came, his truck broke down. And he's like, great, there's no way I'm going to be, you know, we, we've made this thing, like we can't give anymore. I've got to pay for my truck. And he says that week in the mail, he received this anonymous donation from some random person, a $100 bill. He says, we began to give that week. See, God provided so they might be able to support his mission. And then they, they went a little while longer, and uh, his wife's loan was supposed to be deferred. Well, something messed up, and it didn't get deferred, and so he gets the bill. Like, you married her, you need to pay us some money. And so he's like, great, we, we've been doing this tithing deal, we, we've been faithful, but now I've got to pay for this loan. And like, there's no way that I'm going to be able to do it. He says that week, he goes to Bible study, he's talking with his pastor afterwards, and his, and his pastor says, you know, I, I don't know why, but, but I just really feel like the Lord wants me to give this to you. And he opens up his Bible, and he pulls out a $100 bill, and he gives it to him. And he's like, again, God provided so that they might be able to support his mission. Now, in all of this, they didn't get rich. They didn't sow a seed and get, you know, a thousand percent more or anything like that. They weren't given any extra money. They weren't driving Bentleys and flying around in airplanes or anything like that. They were just able to support God's mission. God provided for them so that they might be able to support his mission. And so here's the principle that I want you to take home from this verse. We can give we can support God's mission without fear of provision. We can give, we can support God's mission without fear of provision. We serve a loving, generous God, a God who cares for us both physically and spiritually, a God who takes care of us, a God who, who loves his children. Remember, he is our father and we are his children. 
We can give. We can support God's mission without fear of provision. And our giving accomplishes God's mission. A mission to, to make disciple-making disciples. Through our giving, the gospel, the hope of the world can be, can be propagated to the ends of the world. Through our giving, missionaries are funded, pastors are paid, ministry is done, the homeless are fed, broken homes and marriages are restored through counseling centers, injustice is lobbied against, the city is served, Jesus' name is made famous. Through our giving, the hope of the gospel goes out to the ends of the earth, it goes out right here in our own community. When we don't give, we hinder God's mission. It doesn't flourish as much as it could. Sure, again, God can, can accomplish his mission. He can accomplish his mission any way that he wants. But God primarily uses us, his people, our time, our resources, our money, our gifts and talents as we've been talking about over the last several weeks. He uses us in order to accomplish his mission. And so when we give, the mission flourishes. When we don't give, we, we actually hinder the mission. And so that's why we need to be a people who are giving. And maybe you're sitting there and you're like, okay, great. You've inspired me. I need to start giving. What does that look like? How should I do that? How should we give? Well, let me just say that the giving is slightly different in the New Testament than it is in the Old Testament. You know, there, there's no temple to which you're going to bring an animal sacrifice or a grain sacrifice, right? So, so don't go and buy some cattle and bring it here next week, right? I mean, we're not, we're not doing any of those things. We're not going to set up an altar outside and, and sacrifice that. I'm not going to take the meat home and pack it in a refrigerator or anything like that, right? That, that's, that's, not, that's not how we're doing it. It's slightly different. There's no temple. We are the temple. When you look at the New Testament, you don't even encounter a, a command that says that you need to tithe. And just so we're all on the same page, a tithe means... 10%. In the Old Testament of the Old Covenant, God commanded that they would give 10% of their first fruits, not their leftovers, but of their first fruits. And then you look at, through the Old Testament, you see there are other offerings that people were to give. And so by and large, people look at the Old Testament and say, they gave 10%. Man, that's a lot. Actually, they gave a lot more. When you, when you factor in the tithe, when you factor in all the other offerings that they were supposed to give, on average, it's about 23.5% per year that they were supposed to give to the work of God. And there's no law that commands Christians to do that. There's no law that commands Christians to give offerings. Now, before you begin to think that, that you're off the hook on giving, you're like, great, God isn't commanded, I don't need to do it. Well, before you begin to think that you're off the hook on giving, remember, we've been talking about God primarily works through this, through our giving. Know that we are to give as Christians, right? We do have some commands in Scripture. So we are commanded to care for your pastor, Galatians 6, 6, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. 1 Corinthians 9, 14, in the same way the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. 1 Timothy 5, 17, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. We're also commanded to take care of orphans and widows. James 1, 27, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep one un one's oneself unstained from the world. Paul also talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Along with taking care of pastors, taking care of orphans and widows, the, the churches we talked about, right, we got to care for the poor in the community. 
We need money to do that. We got to do outreach projects. We need money to do that. We've got to take care of the church property. We need money to do that. We got to pay the bills that the church has. We need money to do that. We have to provide material to build up those within the church. We need money to do that. And much, 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 much more. And so while we're not, we're not commanded to give money in the New Testament, we need to give. Because this is how we do ministry. We need volunteers. We need money to accomplish this. This is why we have an offering every week so that you might be able to give. So you might be able to give to the ministries of the church. Just because the New Testament doesn't command us to tithe doesn't mean that you shouldn't give. Remember, if we don't give, we're actually robbing the mission of God. You don't want someone to come in and rob your house. You don't want your boss to rob you at work, right, by not paying you. We are robbing the mission of God when we don't give to support the mission of God. But again, how? How should we think about giving? Well, the New Testament gives us several principles, I believe, when it comes to giving. And many of these principles we're going to look at this morning come from 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And, and just to give you a little bit of backstory there, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, and they are taking up an offering for the Jerusalem church. And he's saying, he's giving them some, some ideas and some ways in which he, he wants them to, to, to think about their giving so that when he comes or when he sends somebody there, that they might actually have some money that they will give him so that he might be able to take that to support those in Jerusalem who are, who are suffering. And while this primarily deals with a special offering, I believe the principles that are there can really enlighten us and teach us about how we might be able to give just on a regular basis when it comes to our tithing, certainly when it comes to our giving of special offerings, like we're talking about the Lottie Moon that's coming up and things like that. But, but I think also we can take these principles and apply them just to our normal giving to the church. So, so let's, let's look at some of these. First, we should be a cheerful giver. Second Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We should not give because we've been forced to give. We should not give because we feel guilty to give. We shouldn't be thinking, I really don't want to give money this week to the church or this month to the church. I really don't want to give this much money, but I'm going to do it anyways. Ah, oh, I just, I, have, I can't, I don't even want to go to church this week because I don't want to give, right? That, that, that shouldn't be how we think about our giving at all. God loves a cheerful giver. He, he doesn't want you to have that mindset. And now, if you're not cheerful, you might be thinking, well, how can I become cheerful? Maybe some of you are like that. You're like, ah, I know I need to give, but I really don't want to give. But I know I need to give, so I'm going to give anyways. How can you become a cheerful giver? Remember, we're not just talking about doing it. We're talking about our heart. And so how do we affect the affections in our hearts so that we become a cheerful giver? Well, I think one way is to think about the gospel. I mean, think about Jesus. Jesus came. And he gave himself freely to us. Jesus was that generous that he was willing to give our, his entire life up so that we might experience eternal life. See, we serve a generous God. Not just a generous God who provides for our every need, but a generous God who gave his only son so that we might be able to have life. So we begin to think about the gospel. We meditate on the gospel. Another way that, that we might encourage ourselves to be cheerful givers is to believe that, that everything that we have is God's. You see, we often think, 
well, my money is, is my money. Like, this is my money, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to part with some of it to give to God. I think we need to, we need to kind of reprogram that thinking a bit. You see, every single thing that we have is God's, and he has given that to us. And so it's not our money, it's God's money. You know, the reason that you have the job that you have, the reason that you have the skills that you have, the reason that you have the connections that you have, the reason that you live in the house that you live in, drive the car that you drive, that have the clothes that you have, is because God has given those to you. And God is so generous, he comes and he says, look, I'm going to make a deal with you. I'm going to give you all this stuff. I'm going to give you all these talents and gifts and, and money and, and all these things. You can keep the largest majority of it. Just give me like 10, 15% back. That's all I want. I mean, that's a pretty good deal if you ask me. God is saying, I just want a little bit of all that I've given you. That's a great deal. When you work for a company in sales, you know, you kind of have this deal going. The company doesn't ever give you 90% and they take 10%. It's never like that. They give you more like 20% and they take the other 80. But God is saying, I'm going to give it all to you and you can have 90%, 85%, 80%, 75%, and I'll take the rest. It's a pretty good deal. And the hope that we have in Jesus is spread through our giving. That's another thing that we can think about. I mean, we've been talking about the fact that the mission of God primarily operates as people are going out. We need money to do that. As you give, you are supporting the mission of God. You, you look at yourself and you say, what hope do I have in this world? The hope that I have is Jesus. The hope that I have is the gospel. Man, because of Jesus, I get to experience eternal life. Because of Jesus, I'm freed from addiction and, and sin. I'm freed from these things. Because of Jesus, I have a, a family of God that I can come into that cares for me. And I want other people to experience the same thing that I experience. I want other people to have the same hope that I have. Well, you give. And other people can be ministered to and experience that hope. The second principle that we see in the New Testament is that we should give proportionally. We should give proportionally. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 2. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. That's the key phrase. So that there will be no collecting when I come. And so that phrase there, as he may prosper, clues us into the idea that we are to give proportionally. And so this means as you make more, you are to give more. We're, we're, we're operating on a percentage basis here. And so as you make more, you give more. But, but remember, as I, as I mentioned in the introduction, those who make more tend to struggle to give more. And why is that? Why do people struggle to give proportionally? Well, I believe it's because we're not living within our means. You know, we've strapped ourselves so that there's nothing left at the end of the month. Now, if this is you, you might need to, to work towards becoming a faithful giver. It's going to take some time, right? You might have to pay off some bills. You might have to sell some things. You might have to get out from underneath some stuff. You might have to downsize a little bit. And once you've done all of that, or maybe maybe you're just starting out, and you're saying, okay, how should I think about this, this giving thing? Well, let me encourage you to build this in your budget, right? When, when you make your budget, a line item should be giving. 
And then you build your budget around that. You don't just build your budget and then say, well, what do I have left over to give? No, you say, well, I can't buy this this house because I got to spend this, I got to give this much money to church or I can't buy this car because I'm giving this much to the church. It's not the other way around. And so build that into your budget. And let me just encourage you to think of 10% as a baseline. I know that, that I've said so far, you know, tithing is not commanded. But, but if we talked about 10% is tithing. And so let me just, let me encourage you to think of that as a baseline, not a ceiling, as a place that you want to get to. And I say that because this is what God commanded in the Old Testament for them, you know, as far as 10%. Abraham, before the, the law was set up in the, in the way that you see later on in the Old Testament, he gave 10%. And so let me encourage you to think about 10% as this baseline, but, but don't think about it as a ceiling. We want to be a generous people, and, and we want to we begin to give more than that. It may take you some time to work to 10%. And it may take you some time to, to work past 10%. But, but think about where you want to be. Be a cheerful giver who gives proportionally. And another principle that I want to give you that you should give regularly. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. Paul tells them on the first day of the week that they are to store this up and they are to set this aside on a regular basis. And I believe the same applies to us. We should give regularly. All right, in order to do that, we've got to set aside a portion of our income on a regular basis. And so you think about when you get paid. Uh, Maybe you get paid once a week, every other week, every month. You know, let me encourage you to set aside that money to give towards your offering that week. Just go ahead and do it. If you wait three months, it's going to be really hard for you to depart with all of that money that you need to give. If you're just keeping up with it, it's much easier to do. This is why Paul tells them, hey, look, I'm coming to collect this offering in in X amount of time. Begin to set that aside. When I show up and you, you know, I'm expecting you to give me a decent amount of money so I can take it to the Jerusalem church, that's just not going to happen. You're not going to have it. Same with us. It's not going to happen. You're not going to have it. Get on a schedule. Give regularly. Determine what that schedule is going to look like for you. It's going to be different for everybody. Everybody gets paid differently. It's going to be different for everybody. But get on a regular schedule. Not only will that keep you in the habit of giving, but that will also help us as a church to know how much money do we have coming in. Because we know, okay, this is, these are the giving cycles. These, this is when money begins to come in. We will know how much we have as a church in order to do ministry. Now, now let me just say here, and this is, I didn't even put this in my notes, but I just want to say this just so you guys know. I have absolutely no idea who gives and who doesn't give and how much people give. I will never look at that. I don't want to know. And we have people that handle that, and I will never, ever look at that number. All I see is the number that we make and the number that we spend. Those are the numbers that I care about. How much are we bringing in? How much are we putting out? Are we meeting budget? I will never, ever look at what you're giving. I will never, ever approach you and say, hey, I've seen that you haven't given in a couple of months. What's going on? That's never gonna happen because I will never look at it. I don't wanna treat anybody different. I wanna treat every single person the same. If you are a big giver, I don't care. I wanna treat you the same as this person who's not giving very much at all. So if you give a lot, don't tell me. I don't wanna know. I'll never look it up 
and I don't want you ever to tell me because I don't ever want to be tempted to treat you any different. So I just want to put that, put that out there. And so make sure that you're giving regularly. Give on a regular basis. The last principle that I want to give you is that we should give sacrificially. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So Paul, again, is talking to the Corinthians. He's talking about this gift that he's going to come and he's going to collect. And he provides an example from the Macedonians, the Macedonians who, who, who were not doing well at all financially. They gave above and beyond. And he's saying, think about the Macedonians. Think about the example of them when you begin to set aside how much it is that you are going to give. We should give sacrificially. And the reason that we should give sacrificially is found in verse 9. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. He's taking it back to the gospel. And he's saying, think about Jesus. Think about what Jesus has done for you. Think about how he has become poor so that you might become rich, not monetarily, but spiritually. Think about the blessings that you are receiving in Jesus, meditate on the gospel if you're having a difficulty being sacrificial in your giving. This is why I say think about 10%, not as a ceiling, but as just a baseline. Give sacrificially. Give as much as you can give. We are supporting the gospel. We are supporting mission. We are, we are doing God's work when we give. You may not be able to go out, but you may be able to give so that somebody else can. We are supporting God's work when we do that. So then we see that we should be a people who give cheerfully. We should be a people who give proportionally, regularly, and sacrificially. If we give in those ways, we will not be a people who are robbing the mission of God. The mission of God will not be hindered at all. The mission of God will be prosperous. We will see people coming to Christ. Certainly God can do it without your money. But God is primarily determined to do it through his people and through the money that he has provided them as he has asked them to be good stewards of that money and to give that money back so that you might be able to support the mission of God. So let me encourage you to be a people who are giving cheerfully, proportionally, sacrificially, and regularly. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for this day and this opportunity to come to you. As we think about the difficult subject of, of money and tithing, um, God, help us not, help us to be convicted where we need to be convicted. Help us to be encouraged where we need to be encouraged, Lord. Help us not to just think that we have to do this, but help us to be cheerful in our giving. Help us to be sacrificial. Help us to think about the gospel. Help us to be a people that give willingly so that we might support your mission. And God, as we do give, we, we pray that your mission would be prosperous. We pray that the gospel would go out. We pray that people would be saved. We pray that your name will be made famous to the ends of the earth. Let's pray in Jesus' name. Amen.